Welcome to Classic 4x4, the podcast for and by classic four-wheel drive enthusiasts. I'm your host, Chris Piccone, and you can follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook at Classic4x4 underscore trucks. Also, make sure you subscribe to the show on your podcast listening platform and check out our website at Classic4x4.com and make sure to reach out to us if we can help you sell your classic, custom, and modified truck or 4x4. Well, hello, Classic 4x4 Podcast listeners. I'm your host, Chris Piccone, and you're listening to Season 4, Episode 1 of the Classic 4x4 Podcast. Today's topic is one of my favorite topics and uh, a topic that we cover twice a year. We do a semi-annual market update and review and an annual market update and review. So uh, today's topic is the Truck and 4x4 Market Update and Outlook, where we take a closer look at what happened in 2020. 23 and what our crystal ball says for 2024. So today's episode, we're going to start off just talking about uh, some updates on what's going on at Classic 4x4 in the podcast uh, going into season four. Uh, we're going to talk about the trends uh, and review uh, what happened to the collector vehicle markets and especially trucks and 4x4s in 2023. Uh, the top 100 list of what's hot and what's not in the uh, collector vehicle and truck and 4x4 markets is out. There's some interesting trends happening there. Um, We're also going to talk about marketplaces. Uh, There's a shift change in a lot of the marketplaces uh, and really some interesting trends. And then we're going to go into uh, our outlook and what our crystal ball says for uh, the 2024 uh, collector vehicle and truck and 4x4 markets. Uh, and we're going to finish up with what I think is going to be hot in 2024 and what's not going to be hot in 2024. So without further ado, let's get it rolling. So uh, what's going on here at the Classic 4x4 podcast and with Classic 4x4 as we go into season four? Without all of you listeners, we have would not have seen the amazing growth uh, that we saw in 2023. Uh, I, I can't believe it. I can't thank you all enough uh, for finding this podcast interesting and downloading it regularly. So uh We've we've grown a lot uh, in the past year, and so much so that uh, we rank we finished the year ranked in the top ten percent of all podcasts, not just automotive podcasts. Yes, I said it. Top ten percent of all podcasts. Keep in mind there are almost four million podcasts out there, and we ranked in the top ten percent um, in season uh, here. Uh, the Classic 4x4 podcast uh, consistently ranks in the top 25 of all automotive podcasts, which is an, an accomplishment itself. But the fact that we are ranked top 10% of all podcasts is an even bigger accomplishment. And I can't thank you all enough for listening because without all of you, we would have never achieved those goals. The other uh, big news we have here at the Classic 4x4 podcast is I'm going to be changing the publishing schedule. In the past, I've done seasons, two seasons a year, one in the spring, one in the fall. Um, But uh, I've heard a lot from different listeners that they want to hear some more consistency to our episodes. So I'm going to do that. So uh, instead of having um, two seasons a year, I'm going to do one season a year and publish a new episode 
every single month. And that episode is going to be published and go live on the second Tuesday of every calendar month. So you're going to get 12 brand new episodes here at the Classic 4x4 Podcast, uh, and you're going to get one every single month. We have some amazing guests coming up uh, in for season four. The advantage of being a top-ranked podcast is people want to be on the podcast, and I get a lot of interest uh, from some really, really top-tier guests. Uh, and the next guest, uh, I'm going to give you a little spoiler alert here. The next guest that we're going to have uh, for our February episode is a really special one, uh, a guy who I am, you know, him and I are cut from the same piece of, of cloth, uh, the man, the myth, and the legend, Jonathan Shaw, who is the president of Hemmings, uh, which is not only one of the oldest uh, collector vehicle marketplaces, but also one of the largest collector vehicle marketplaces. And I'm really excited to talk to Jonathan. And that episode is going to drop um, in the second Tuesday in February. And then lastly, uh, many of you may have noticed that I elevated the classic 4x4 brand to also include custom, classic, and collector truck advisory and marketing, where I handle every aspect of the sale of your custom, classic, or collector truck from preparation to the go-to-market strategy, executing the go-to-market strategy, getting it sold, getting you paid and handling all the post-sale. So uh, uh, if you're interested and in, in looking to sell a truck, please don't hesitate to reach out. Hop over to classic4x4.com. Uh, you can see our process there, a little bit about what we do and the value of, of our service, um, and also the very, very reasonable fees that are associated with that. And you can submit your truck, uh, to, and I'll take a look at it and uh, do a valuation. We'll talk about the best way to get your truck, our 4x4, sold. So head over to classic 4 x Four.com. But without further ado, let's talk about 2023. 2023 was a very interesting year in the collector vehicle markets um, for a couple reasons. Uh, the first is after five strong years of the collector vehicle markets rallying, uh, 2020, the end of 2022, the market peaked, and 2023 was very challenging for the collector vehicle markets. Fortunately, the, the collector, classic, custom truck and 4x4 markets held out very well, and there's some reasons for that. But o- the overall collector vehicle markets uh, were, were very challenging in 2023. Um, and I'm going to focus more today on talking about the, the macro trends and translating how the the data, the hard data, um, really translates into those trends. Uh, Instead of talking about, like I've talked about in the past, uh, the actual hard data itself, um, I think our listeners are much more interested in how that data is translated and how that um, translates into the different trends in the market. So uh, there are three key metrics that I always look at when I'm looking at the collector vehicle markets. The first is sell-through. And what sell-through is, is when a vehicle goes to market and it successfully sells. So that's the percentage of vehicles that go to market that successfully sell. So for example, if 10 vehicles go to market and only six of them successfully sell, that would be a 60% sell-through rate. The next uh, metric that I look at is average sale price, right? So all those vehicles that successfully sold in the marketplace and successfully sold through, what was the average sale price of those successful sales? And then the last, the last metric I look at is dollar volume. 
how much, uh, what was the total dollar volume of those successful sales? When I look at those three metrics, uh, well, I'll start with sell through. Sell through historically, you want that in a, in a very balanced market or even an imbalanced market in the seller's favor. You really want that to sit somewhere in in a healthy market in the high 70s to low 80s. So far this year, that trend has been more in the low 60s to mid 60s. Um, so that is that that's showing us a trend that the vehicles that are coming to market are not really selling through. Um, though a majority are selling through, it's still below uh, below historical averages. And that's normal um, in a market that is adjusting from a imbalanced uh, market in the seller's favor to a balanced market um, between buyers and sellers. And really, at this point, we are imbalanced in the buyer's favor. So again, that's normal. Markets correct. That's the way things happen. We had a five-year bull market in the collector vehicle market. So the fact that we're seeing a a correction is not abnormal and honestly creates an opportunity. We needed a little bit of a correction. Um, But when I look at the those three core metrics um, and the trends that they dictate, when you know, so far the collector vehicle market really peaked in September of 2022 after a five-year bull market run from 2017, where we saw all three of those metrics really appreciate and grow month over month and year over year. Well, that trend ended right around September 20, uh, of 2022, and that's when we started to see those three metrics really get mixed and start to regress. And then, you know, through October, November, December 2022, those metrics were, were kind of mixed and muted and, and regressing, or if they were progressing, it was very, very minimal. And as we went into January 2023, we saw a trend of all three of those key metrics, sell-through, average sale price, and dollar volume, regress month over month, year over year. From January all the way through October of 2023, all three of those key metrics regressed month over month, year over year. We had a little surprise in in November of 2023. We had what I call a dead cat bounce. Believe it or not, we saw in November those three key metrics actually progress and appreciate and grow in November. But markets see that when markets pull back, uh, you know, sellers do get a little bit more motivated and a little bit more realistic and buyers will swoop in and uh, you will see what we call a dead cat bounce. Um, but we anticipate that trend to continue throughout the end of 2023 as it has and into early 2024, which I'm going to talk a little bit um, more about. But what was interesting with this market cycle um, was we had five years of all of those three key metrics progressing, growing month over month, year over year. And in a normal market cycle, you get what's called a bell curve, where uh, a, a market will appreciate, progress gradually over a long period of time. And then those metrics will flatten out and balance, um, you know, balance each other out. And you'll see kind of a plateau. Um, and then, you know, for a couple months, maybe, you know, 
half a year, 12 months. And then you'll see the start, the market start to regress and see those metrics regress, which is the correction, the downside, the, the right hand side of that bell curve. It's usually a gradual upturn, a nice little plateau, and then a gradual downturn. In this particular market cycle, we saw a nice long five year run of gradual appreciation and growth. And then we saw a whipsaw where the market didn't really flatten out. We didn't see a balancing of the market. We went from an imbalanced market in the seller's favor and we whip, whipsawed to an imbalanced market in the buyer's favor very quickly. But again, these are market cycles. These are normal. We were due for a correction. And within that correction, it creates a great buying opportunity. But fortunately for all of us uh, enthusiasts that uh, are... Um, that are into trucks and four by fours, the classic custom and collector truck and four by four market has been very re resilient during this recent uh, market correction and uh, really been the shining star. So in the collector vehicle market, uh, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that, uh, um, you know, classic custom and collector trucks are hot right now. Uh, it's a coming of age. It's a generational thing. There's a lot of demand from, you know, the collectors that are very active in the market right now. But I will say the last trend that I noticed in 2023, which was very interesting, is a segmentation of the market based on sale prices. Extremely interesting. If you break the market down into three three price points. There's the zero to 30 or $40,000 price point. There's the 30 to 40,000 to 80 to $90,000 price point. And then the 80 to 90,000 plus, you know, $100,000 six figure plus uh, price point. So the market really has segmented to the $40,000 and below 40 to 80,000 and the 80 to 100,000 plus uh, vehicles. And what's interesting is the bottom end of that market, that below $30,000 or below $40,000 um, bottom end of the market has actually stayed pretty healthy. There, there's still demand. It's decently balanced. It is still imbalanced um, in the buyer's favor, but not drastically imbalanced. Uh, it, it's actually held pretty strong. The top end of the market, the 80,000 plus, you know, six-figure vehicles, investment quality builds, things like that, have also stayed very resilient. Again, imbalanced a little bit in the buyer's favor, but not horribly. That said, the middle of the market, that forty dollars to $80,000 price point, has seen the biggest depreciation and been ravaged in this recent uh, market correction. And I will tell you, it's tough. It is tough. It is heavily, heavily imbalanced in the buyer's favor, which creates um, some opportunity um, in this market correction. But what is that attributed to? Why? Let's talk about the top end of the market. You know, the $80,000 plus price points, you know, six figure price points. Those buyers are core, dedicated, enthusiast collectors, ultra high net worth, large scale collectors that are dedicated to collecting. So, yes. Some of those collector vehicles that are in that, you know, that six figure range present some value to those buyers, right? So what used to be, you know, maybe a $110,000, $120,000 vehicle 
maybe those buyers can get it at a little bit more of a value in that 85 to 95% uh, um, realm. But it's still on the top end of the market. So that's why that market, though imbalanced, isn't heavily imbalanced and actually stayed pretty strong. The bottom end of the market, there's just a lot more buyers uh, for the bottom end of the market on that lower price point. Um, you, you have entry level for casual buyers, but you have some smaller scale collectors that um, are very also that are dedicated to collecting that are very active in that bottom end of the market. So um, though imbalanced, uh, not heavily imbalanced um, uh, in the uh, buyer's favor. What drove the heavy imbalance and massive market collection uh, correction in that forty to eighty thousand dollar price point? Pure and simple was there were a ton of casual collectors, what I'll call high net worth collectors, that were looking for just a cool car or truck um, just to have an extra one in their garage or at their vacation home that dominated that market. Also, you saw more financing in that market, though I will say the collector vehicle market is not heavily interest rate sensitive. There isn't a ton of borrowing in that market. Uh, and what borrowing did take place in that market was more strategic by dedicated collectors where they could borrow at very low interest rates and ha- they had the opportunity to earn um, on their money that's invested elsewhere. So for example, if they were borrowing at 3% to buy a collector vehicle, but they were investing at you know 7 8%, they were uh, they were um, getting a positive return on their money. That said, though, there were a lot of collectors in that middle market or casual collectors in that middle market that just have exited the market as a whole, right? But more importantly, there were some a lot of finance buyers in that market. So people that had. 30, 40 grand, but they wanted a $70,000, $80,000 vehicle, a collector vehicle. And when rates were low, they had the ability to borrow and push the envelope and pick up that $70,000, $80,000 vehicle, even though they had, you know, 30, 40,000 available to them at that time. So all those buyers are now out of the market now that collector vehicle rates have you know, popped up to the high single digits, low, uh, low double digits, and low teens. So bottom end of the market, held out okay, still imbalanced along with the overall market in the buyer's favor. Top end of the market, held out okay, rather resilient, still imbalanced in the buyer's favor, but not heavily. The middle of the market, heavily imbalanced, and heavily impacted during this most recent uh, correction. So let's move on to talk about what's hot and what's not in 2023. Certain makes and models, and and there were some surprises here. I, I was very, very surprised when I looked at the top 100 list of collector vehicles that were hot in 2023 and were not in 2023. There were three core types of collector vehicles that did really, really well and surprisingly really well in 2023. The first is small classic pickups. 
right? And I'll run through that list. The second is a drum that I've been beating for a very, very long time. Um, and I personally have been acquiring some of these vehicles in my own personal collection. That is modern classics. And then there's a couple honorable mentions in there. Um, but what were some of the drivers of these trends? You know, why were small classic pickup trucks uh, at the top of the top 100 list for appreciation? Purely from a price point standpoint, they were undervalued. There's there's a good amount of inventory out there. And even though they saw a massive, a lot of makes and models within this category saw a lot of appreciation in 2023, a vast majority of these vehicles, these small classic pickups, still trade well below 20000 So it's a great price point. Modern classics, what's driving, uh, what's the key driver to why modern classics were were on the top 100 list uh, this year? Pure and simple, they were undervalued and collectors like the modern amenities that modern classics provide. So when I'm talking about modern classics, I'm talking about late 80s to mid 90s types of vehicles. Uh, um, One of the reasons that I bought a 1990 square body K5 was because it had an automatic transmission, has air conditioning, reliable heat, fuel injection, and a very simple 350. It's just a comfortable truck to drive. It's got an automatic transmission. It drives easy. I can throw the air conditioning on on a hot day. The heat's reliable. It just has all the creature comforts. It's just fun. Something fun, comfortable to drive, but also looks cool. Um, And then the honorable mention category, I'll go into a little bit more detail as we run down that list. But let's talk about small compact pickups uh, and what makes and models did really well in uh, in 2023. Topping the list of what was hot in 2023 uh, for vehicles, uh, collector vehicles that appreciated. And this is out of all the collector vehicles uh, that appreciated just happens to be one of those compact pickup trucks. So topping the list at number one was, yes, you heard it here, the Volkswagen Caddy. Uh, For those of you that aren't familiar with the Volkswagen Caddy, it was a a small Volkswagen pickup truck, very similar to similar looking to the Subaru Brat. um, But that topped the list at number one at a 44% year over year appreciation between 2022 and 2023. The next truck on that list is... uh, no, at number three, the Chevy Love. I mean, <laughs> these things are awesome. I mean, they're just super cool. They're cheap. You can pick them up in the market. There's there was a bunch of a bunch. There's a bunch out there. Again, they trade well under twenty grand. Um, but again, came in at number uh, number three at thirty eight point nine percent year over year appreciation. And coming in at number 15 in the small pickup, uh, classic small pickup category was a, is a personal favorite of mine and a truck that I've loved for a long time is the Jeep Comanche. So the Jeep Comanche uh, appreciated 20.6% year over year. And then as we get down to the bottom of the list, coming uh, uh, in at number 63 uh, within the small classic uh, pickup truck category that performed very well in 2023 uh, is everybody's going to love this. The second generation Ford Ranger, man, people love these Ford Rangers and, and the second generation Ford Ranger saw 12.9% 
year-over-year appreciation. And lastly, coming in at number 93 was the first-gen Toyota Tacoma that appreciated 11.2% year-over-year. So those are the standout uh, classic small pickups that perform really well in 2023, year over year. And now we're going to move on to uh, a category that I love, uh, which is the modern classics. So how did the modern classics uh, perform in 2023 and where did they fall on the list of top 100 uh, appreciating collector vehicles in 2023? One trend here is Chevys and GMs dominate this list. Uh, So coming in at number four with 31.2% year-over-year appreciation, this is a surprising one, the Chevy Avalanche. But hey, it's cool. It's a modern classic and people like it, right? Coming in at number eight was the only non-Chevy on this list, which was the second-gen F-Series Super Duty, the 250s and 350s, coming in at 24% year-over-year appreciation. Moving on down the list, coming in at number 25 on the top 100 was the third-gen Chevy C and K custom resto mods. So this isn't the original ones. These are one, these are C square body C's third gen square body C's that are dropped with LS swaps that are fully customized, restored, modified. These are lifted K square body K trucks that, you know, again, powertrain swaps, full resto mods. Um, but they perform very well at 19.1% year over year appreciation coming in at, at number 25 on the top 100 list. Moving on uh, down the list, coming in at number 29, you guessed it, another Chevy, the fourth gen Chevy C3500. So the two wheel drive. Heavy-duty C3500 at 18.3% year-over-year appreciation. Not far behind that on the top 100 list is number 34, the ninth-gen Chevy Suburban. Uh, So uh, interestingly enough, we saw about 17.4% year-over-year appreciation in that ninth-gen Suburban coming in at, at number 34 on the list. Uh, Shortly there behind that is, you guessed it, another Chevy, which is at number 38, the third gen Chevy C10, coming in at 16.7% year over year appreciation. And at the bottom of the top 100 list, uh, at number 81, is the fourth gen Chevy K3500. So the, the, Sibling truck to number 29 on lit on the list, the fourth gen Chevy two-wheel drive C3500. Coming in at number 81 is the fourth gen Chevy four-wheel drive K3500, 12.1% year-over-year appreciation. And let's talk about some of the honorable mentions in the truck and 4x4 category um, on the top 100 list uh, for 2023 of of appreciating vehicles. Um, Two categories that dominated this, uh, the honorable mention list is imports and Jeeps. So at number 16, I was very, very surprised at this one, but it also makes sense. At number 16 is the Jeep Grand Cherokee WJ at 20.5% year over year appreciation. 
Very surprised, but it also makes sense because that the WJs present a ton of value in the market. Uh, the next one at number 18 on the top 100 list is the Lexus GX460. That's the older body style GX460. Um, it's like kind of their second series. And uh, that saw 19.9% year-over-year appreciation. I think the driver behind that is the fact that they are very attainable in the market. They're a Toyota. And we're seeing a lot of custom modifications, especially by the Overlanders, done on those GX460s uh, that share that 4Runner platform. So I think that was the big driver there. Coming in at number 21 is one that uh, I talked about uh Actually, in a previous episode um, with Dan Weinberg uh, from Japanese Classics, which is was a very is a very undervalued uh, section of the market um, and a series that I uh, saw some value in. He saw some value in. A lot of people don't, you know, really think too much about it. So coming in at number twenty one was the Toyota ninety series Land Cruiser. You know, a lot of people call them the Prados. Uh, those. Uh, saw 19.3% appreciation year over year. Coming in at number 35 was the second gen Chevy K20s. They're great trucks. People love them. Um, the K20s were had a lot more limited production uh, than the their sibling, the K10. So I'm not surprised it's on the list and uh, saw 17.1% appreciation year over year. Coming in at number 39 was the number one top of the list performer in 2022, which has slipped down to number 39 on the top 100 list in 2023, which is the Mitsubishi Pajero Evolution. And uh, like I said, that topped the chart last year. It's number 39 on this year. Uh, the 2023 top 100 performer, performers in the collector vehicle markets. And that saw that particular make and model saw 16.6% appreciation. And we can attribute that continued demand for that vehicle to the 25-year rule. People like those Evolution engines. Uh, the Pajaros are hot, but people really like those ev- Evolution engines. So moving on down the list at number... 47. I was surprised by this one, but I guess it also kind of makes sense too because they've been hot for a while. And number 47 is the Land Rover 90 hardtop. Um, we're talking about the ROWs here, not the NASs, um, but the Land Rover 90 hardtop uh, came in at number 47 with 14.8% year over year appreciation. And then coming in at number 59 was another surprise to me because these these Jeeps have had a, a tough go over the past couple of years. They haven't seen the appreciation um, that a lot of the other classic uh, truck vehicles have seen. And coming in at number 59 is the Willys CJ2A. Uh, with seeing 13.3% year over year appreciation. And a lot of that I feel is driven by, there are still a lot of flat fender enthusiasts out there, but those trucks saw those Jeeps, uh, especially the flat fenders, the the two A's and the three B's um, really saw a generational change. They saw a lot of depreciation and really were flat in the market. So I think they presented a lot of value and that's why buyers are uh, scooped them up in 2023. And then coming in at number 66 on the top 100 uh, performers in 2023 is the AM General Humvee. 
When we talk about the AM General Humvee, which performed uh, at 12.8% year-over-year appreciation, we're not talking about the GM um, or the AM, uh, the American General um, Hummers that you that were built for civilian use, um, commonly known as the H1s. What we're talking about is the purpose-built AM General Humvees that were built under military contract that are being cycled out uh, by the military uh, for several different reasons and are being bought at GSA auctions um, from the military. Uh, those are hitting the secondary market now. They present a ton of value. H1s, you know, AM General H1s, um, which were built for the civilian markets. Those things trade at big, big numbers. You know, a lot of them trade in, in that top tier price point, the $80,000 plus price point. In the, and some of them, the, the H1 alphas in, you know, very good condition with low mileage do trade in, in the low to mid six figures. So the AM General Humvees, the, uh, the, purpose-built, military-commissioned AM General Humvees that are on this list that that came in at number 66 present a ton of value. You can get those things in the high 20s, in good condition, low mileage, um, you know, may have been painted, updated a little bit. You can get those things in the high 20s and in the 30,000s. So they present a ton of value in, in comparison to their, um, their civilian uh, brethren. And then moving on down the list to number 86 was another big surprise to me. And I don't even know what the driver here is. And that's the Land Rover Discovery 4. I'm a little confused on this one. It did appreciate 11.9% year over year. But I'm not sure who's buying them. I'm not sure why. Yes, they present value, but there's a reason that they present value in the market. Because it's just horribly unreliable. And I don't know who's buying them or why they're buying them, but people are buying them because they appreciated 11.9% and made the top 100 list at number 86 in 2023. And then lastly, coming in at number 90 is the Mercedes-Benz GL 550 at 11.4% appreciation. Um, So again, horribly unreliable, not sure who's buying them, but I'm sure they presented an immense uh, value proposition for buyers. So buyers scooped them up just because they couldn't say no. So that that rounds out our list and the different categories and trends that I saw in 2023 on the top 100 what's hot list of, of appreciating vehicles. So let's now move into wah, wah, what was not hot in 2023. And this list was dominated really by three core categories. The first category is late model luxury SUVs. The streets are going to be littered. Once we get through this list, the streets are going to be littered with sobbing soccer moms and well-heeled executives because their vehicles depreciated a whole lot. And uh, mostly Land Rover Range Rovers, Mercedes-Benz G classes, and Porsche Cayennes. They saw a lot of action on the what's not list in 2023. The other one, the other category that uh, really stood out in the what's not list in 2023 is EVs. 
And that is a, there's a core driver and there's an explanation for that. You know, EV adoption has been growing um, here in, in the U.S. and abroad. And the early adopters have really picked up and, and bought them. So as the EV uh, companies and, and, and manufacturers and OEMs have really figured out their supply chains, ramped up production, for many years, they did, and new models have been int- introduced. For many years, they have satisfied the demand of early adopters. But we're in this w- weird period of time right now where the early adopters um, have really bought up and their demand has been satisfied, but the mass market hasn't really adopted EVs yet. Oh, it's coming purely because the government is mandating it. So whether we want to uh, us uh, ice uh, internal combustion engine and, and, and gas and diesel lovers want to uh, accept it or not, it's coming because it's government mandated. So eventually the mass market will have to adopt uh, and start buying EVs. But we're in this real this weird period of time right now where the early adopters have bought up um, what they wanted in the market. Supply has been there, but their demand is dwindling as we start to move in supply. Uh, there's a lot of oversupply in the EV market. Demand is dwindling, but eventually um, that will change. Those market forces are changing, will change, and we will see mass market adoption of uh, EVs. But until then, we're in this weird little um, period of time where there's an oversupply of EVs and waning and declining demand, which is creating an opportunity. And as a result, it's simple economics. When you have increased supply and decreased demand, prices have to come down. So we're seeing prices on new EVs and used secondary market EVs come down drastically. In my opinion, that is a great opportunity. If you're considering buying an EV, now is the time to buy an EV before there's mass market adoption and prices go back up. And then lastly, the other category that was stand out in the what's not top 100 list in 2023, or what I call ancillary market classic and collector trucks. So there are core market collector and classic trucks. Um, when I talk about core market, I'm talking about Toyota FJ40s, uh, Land Rover Defender 90s and 110s. Um, I'm also talking about Jeep CJ7s, uh, Jeep Grand Wagoneers, stuff like that that are very well known um, to everyone, including the, cla- the casual collector. People are always looking for them. They're looking for those specific makes and models. There's always a good market for them because they're well-known and um, there's there's consistent demand for them, um, even for not only the well-heeled, uh, dedicated vehicle collector, but also the casual collector. Those are core market. Ancillary market collector vehicles are vehicles that fall into that, into that you know, FJs, CJs, F- SJs, um, Defender market, but they're ancillary. So, for example, like the Defender 130s. So, when and at the average core market buyer is looking for a Defender 90 or a 110, they usually might not even know that the 130 even exists, right? So that the 130 would be an example of a of an ancillary market collector vehicle. Um, don't get us wrong. Don't get me wrong. Us dedicated classic custom and collector truck uh, enthusiasts um, and collectors are familiar with those ancillary models. We love those ancillary models, but 
they didn't perform well in 2023. Another example of an ancillary model would be the Toyota Land Cruiser FJ43. Everybody's familiar with the FJ40, but really only the dedicated enthusiasts are, are familiar with that mid-wheelbase FJ43. Um, and uh, another example um, in the Jeep space would be, um, say, the again, the Flat Fenders or a CJ6, which isn't well-known, where people are really looking for CJ7s or CJ8s, but they're not familiar with the CJ6 or the CJ3B. Um, so that would, again, be an ancillary uh, uh, collector vehicle making model. So uh, without further ado, let's run through the list of what's not in 2023. So coming in at number three, uh, fits this late model luxury SUV category that we talked about, where the key driver there is... Um, body style change. The fact of the matter is that the buyers for late model luxury collector SUVs, especially trucks, are your high net worth, ultra high net worth, well-heeled executives and soccer moms. And the fact of the matter is they always want the newest, baddest, and best body style. So when there's a body style change, those older body styles tend to see some depreciation, and that's why they dominated this list. So coming in at number three is the former body style, number four, fourth-generation Cadillac Escalade, which depreciated 29.9% in 2023. Yes, almost 30%. So for those of you that sadly own a, uh, a, a previous body style fourth-gen Escalade, the fact that they're a big depreciating vehicle in the first place, they saw 30% depreciation year over year in 2023. Going down the list to number nine is, you guessed it, one of the Mercedes-Benz G-classes, the, the former body style, what's known as the W463. So coming in at number nine was the Mercedes-Benz G320, the W463 body style, which saw a decline of 27.3% year over year in 2023. Coming in at number 10 is, yes, those EVs that we talked about, the Tesla Model X. So Tesla's large um, SUV uh, saw 25.7% year over year depreciation. Um, again, we talked about that. Uh, you know, the early adopters have, have really soaked up all the demand that they're and supply that they were looking for. There hasn't, we haven't seen mass adoption yet. So we're in that little transition period of time that, like I said, created an, has created an amazing opportunity for EV buyers out there. Coming in at number 11 is the Hummer H3 depreciating 24.9% year over year in 2023. I kind of get it. I mean, who really wants to own an H3, right? <laughs> I'm sorry if you own an H3, but like, come on. Who really wants to own an H3? Um, so coming in at number 16 is again a Mercedes-Benz uh, G-Class uh, W463 model, the older body style, which is the Mercedes-Benz G63 AMG at 23.7% year-over-year year depreciation. Again, we're going to attribute that to the body style change um, 
and people just dumping the older body styles because they because they want the newest, baddest, and best uh, new body style out there. So coming in at number seventeen is the Series Four Range Rover, which is the uh, the former body style which was introduced in 2013 and I believe ran till 2019, 2020 maybe. Um, again, we saw a body style change there. So the Series Four Range Rover depreciated 23.3 percent year over year. And then coming in at number nineteen is the Bentley Bentayga, which didn't see a body style change, but the harder they, the, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And I just think this is normal depreciation. When you have a, a $150,000 or $150 to $250,000, um, you know, ultra luxe SUV, they're just going to see depreciation. So as crazy as it sounds, even though they depreciated, they came in at number 19 on the list at 22.6% depreciation. That's actually not abnormal um, for that vehicle. Uh, coming in at number 33 was the Rivian R1S. Not a ton of those out on the road, but uh, Rivian, the manufacturer, has been um, manufacturing a lot of those, and the demand is waning. So uh, we have seen in 2023 uh, with the Rivian 1R, uh, R1S, 20.8% year-over-year depreciation. Coming in at number 34 is the second gen Range Rover Sport. Again, attributed to the body style change. We There's a new body style out on the market. This is the old body style. Depreciated 20.4% year over year. And coming in at number 36 is one that tugs at my heartstrings because it is a, a, a truck that I just loved, especially when it was introduced in the early 2000s. It's the Infinity FX. It's a unique body style. Not a not a lot. Not a, a lot of people liked it. I personally absolutely loved it. Um, it's not produced anymore. That body style isn't produced anymore. Infinity has gone to more. Um, the more uh, mass market and, and change though, uh, that model lineup to be the QX model lineup. Um, but coming in at number 36, the Infinity FX depreciated 20.1% uh, year over year in 2023. And then, yes, coming in at number 38 is another EV. We talked about why the drivers behind that correction. And that is the Tesla Model Y, which is Tesla's small SUV, and that depreciated 20% year over year. And now we're going to see a run of Porsche Cayennes. Almost everyone between 40 all the way down to the end of the list for uh, trucks and uh, SUVs, uh, trucks and uh, and 4x4s, um, is a Porsche Cayenne, the 957 uh, body style, which is the former body style. So coming in at number 40 is the Porsche Cayenne Turbo, that 957 body style, which saw 19.9% year-over-year depreciation, again, attributed to to, uh, the change of body style and people dumping the old body style so they can have the newest, biggest, baddest um, body style. So coming in at number 53 on the list is, yes, you guessed it, another Porsche Cayenne, but in this time, on number 53, the Porsche Cayenne diesel, the 958.2 model, again, an old body style, That depreciated 17.6% year over year. Coming in at number 54 is the Porsche Cayenne, the 3.6 base. Again, the the 
57 body style, the older body style depreciated 17.3% year over year. Coming in at number 57 is the Mercedes-Benz G500, G550 squared. Again, the W463 body style, the older body style. But for those of you that aren't familiar with the the G-Class squared, um, they were offered, I believe, from 2017 to 2019. Those are the ones that are heavily modified from the factory and lifted. Um, That's what the the G500 and G550 squareds are. But those... uh, came in at number 57 and saw 17.1% year-over-year depreciation. Coming in at number 69 is the Porsche Cayenne GTS. Yes, again, the 957 body style depreciated 16.1% year-over-year. Coming in at number 75 is, the again, another Benz G-Class, the Mercedes-Benz G550. Yes, you guessed it. The W463 model, the older body style, depreciated at 15.6% year over year. Coming in at number 78, yes, another Cayenne. This time, the Porsche Cayenne diesel, the 958.1 body style which was the first-gen diesel, uh, saw 15, 15.5% year-over-year depreciation. And at the bottom of the list, at number 87, is another Benz, which is the GL450. And if you remember, the GL550 was on the what's hot list? Well, at number 87, the Mercedes-Benz GL450, the previous generation to that GL550, it saw seven saw fifteen percent depreciation on the twenty twenty three what is not list, and then let's talk about those ancillary non core collector trucks uh, that I talked about. So coming in at number six is the Isuzu Elf. Uh, the Isuzu Elf uh, is an import um, vehicle. A lot of them were that are imported are right hand drive from Japan, and they're outfitted like fire trucks, but. They saw 28.3% depreciation coming in at number six on the top 100 what's not list. I will attribute that to a lot of those are bought up by people that do overland conversions on them. And just the overland, the custom overland and the overland conversion market has just got soft. Uh, It was real hot during the pandemic, 2021, 2022, but it's really gotten soft. People that are spending big bucks to outfit these overland vehicles um, and spent a lot of money outfitting them and just didn't use them. So the reason I think the Isuzu Elf came in at number, uh, number six at 28.3% uh, appreciation is primarily because the buyers of those were overland converters. Number 15 is the Jeep Willys pickup. Again, it's an ancillary model. When people are looking for Willys, they're looking for a flat fender CJ2A, CJ3B, or a Willys wagon. They're not always looking for that Willys pickup. Um, I love them, but uh, you know they're not a core collector vehicle. They're an ancillary collector vehicle. People aren't always looking for them. So they depreciated 24% year over year. Coming in at number 32 is the Ford F-Series, the Gen 1 custom resto mods. Again, we're talking about uh, Gen 1 F-Series trucks um, that were customized, restored, you know, dropped, lifted, powertrain swaps, uh, coyote swaps, things like that. Um, they depreciated 21% year over year. 
coming in at number 39. Again, an ancillary model, but I love this one, is a Toyota Land Cruiser FJ40. 45, the troopy body style. So for those of you that are familiar with the, the Land Cruiser FJ45s, they came, that was the long wheelbase FJ, uh, but they came in two different um, body styles. Most of you are familiar with the pickups, which are awesome, but the very rare troopy uh, body style, um, in my opinion, I see opportunity here. If they're pulling back, those things are rare. They're awesome. They're super cool. And in my opinion, they're cooler than the pickups. So, but the coming in at number 39, the Toyota Land Cruiser FJ45 Troopy body style depreciated 19.9% year over year in 2023. This is another one as we move down the list to number 42 that tug at my heartstrings. But again, it's an ancillary model. The International Harvester Scout 80, which is the, the I'll call it the, the sibling to the Scout 800 or the 800A, 800B. And again, the 800, the 800B, that is a core collector model. And people just don't know about the 80s. That was the early, um, the earlier version of the 800 uh, A and B body style was the Scout 80. People just don't know about them, but they depreciated 19.1% year over year. But I will say the 800A and the 800B, which is very similar, saw a massive depreciation. We're going to talk, or a massive appreciation. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more uh, as we go on. Coming in at number 50 in that ancillary non core collector truck uh, list is the Chevy 3200 pickups. Um, which is that is primarily attributed to just a change in generation. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to talk a little bit more about this in in um, a little bit later in the podcast when I talk about 2024 trends. But there's a generational change, and the 3200 pickups were the early Chevy pickups uh, from the 50s and, and 60s. There's just a generational change. Those buyers are are sadly dying off, um, and you know. There's not a lot of demand for for the early, early collector uh, classics. Coming in at number 55, which again was another surprise because it's a small pickup and all of its uh, uh, comparable uh, makes and models and competing makes and models were on the what's hot list for 2023. But coming in at number 55 on the what's not list for 2023 is the Mazda B-Series. Again, it's an ancillary model. I mean, People are going to buy a Ford Ranger or a Chevy Love before they look for the the Mazda B series. So that depreciated 17.3% year over year. And again, another ancillary model uh, coming in at number 70 is the Land Rover Defender 110. But the double cab pickup, again, most people looking for 110s are looking for uh, either the two-door 110 beach runners or what I call the three-door 110 beach runners or the four-door 110s. They're not looking for the four-door 110 double cab pickups, but they depreciated 15.9% year over year. Coming in at number 85 uh, is, this is a sad one for me because I love these, is the Dodge Power Wagon. The, again, these things saw a ton of appreciation, especially the, the custom resto modded ones, but they ran up heavy and they were due for a correction. So the Power Wagons came in at number 85 at 15.1% year-over-year depreciation on the what's not list in 2023. Coming in at number 92 is a little perplexing. 
is the Chevy C2500 fourth gen. But the 3500, both the K and the C, were on the what's hot list. So the fact that the 2500 was on the what's not list is a little head scratching. Um, maybe people just want that heavier duty 3500. Um, but that depreciated 14.8% year over year. And on the bottom of the list at number 93, again, is another ancillary model, ancillary, ancillary non-core collector model, which is a Land Rover Series 2. Not the 2A, the Land Rover Series 2. So for those of you that aren't familiar, the three years prior to the 2A being introduced and being mass-produced and, and becoming a very, very popular vehicle in its time and, and equally a popular collector, collector vehicle in today's market. But before the 2A was introduced, the three years prior, they had the Series 2. Again, I just don't think people are looking for them. But they depreciated at 14.7% year over year. So moving on to our next topic, marketplaces. We saw interesting trends in the marketplaces. If I had this conversation with everybody two, three years ago, I tell you, you could throw any any collector vehicle on any marketplace at any price and it was probably going to sell. That's purely because the market was imbalanced in the seller's favor, right? For lack of better words, there was a butt for every seat back in those days. Well, as the market has changed, marketplaces have changed drastically. But a couple trends that we're going to talk about as far as marketplaces is classified and auction online marketplaces continue to dominate where collector vehicles are transacted. And that has been a trend for the past decade. Uh, Online marketplaces, classified and auction online marketplaces got a shot in the arm during COVID. But that trend is not changing. You know, that has been a trend for over a decade and it's not changing anytime soon. That will always be the dominant arena for where classic custom and collector vehicles buy and sell um, within the marketplaces. You know, it's pure and simple. There's a reason for it. You know, it's easy to list. It's easy to buy. There's reasonable fees. You get a far geographic reach and there's really minimal friction in these marketplaces as they continue to satisfy buyers and sellers. Um, you know, like I said, the online, uh, online auctions though, um, stripping out the classified marketplaces, talking about the online auction platforms, those continue to dominate the percentage of sold listings and the total dollar volume of transactions in the collector vehicle market. And that's in comparison to the in-lane, in-person physical auctions. Um, Hands down, online auctions continue to dominate the largest percentage of sold listings and the total dollar volume of those sold listings. That's where all the transactions are taking place. That said, though, in-person, physical, in-lane auctions continue to produce the highest average sale prices. And it's interesting, as I represent the sale of, of my clients' um, collector custom and uh, classic trucks and 4x4s at uh, classic 4x4. Interestingly enough, I have been advising my clients with our go-to-market strategy where back in the day, I would always advise a client, unless that truck is going to do six figures, there's no reason to pay the heavy fees for 
for a uh, in-lane, in-person physical auction. It just doesn't make sense because the in-lane, in-person um, physical auctions are heavy, are very fee-heavy premium marketplaces. Yes, they bring the top transaction values, but there are heavy fees to be, pay, uh, to be paid to get those top transaction values, right? So when I talk about fees, there's you know an 8 to 12% buyer fee and seller fee on both sides of the transaction. You have slotting fees to make sure that you get your, uh, your vehicle runs um, at a very desirable time, uh, also what's called a slot. But then you also have to transport that vehicle to, to the auction. And if God forbid it doesn't sell through, you have to transport it back from the auction. So I've actually been advising clients on the top, or en- the top end of the five-figure market to, and I've been um, sending their uh, classic custom and collector trucks to some of those high fee, um, high fee in lane, in person physical auctions to get the big numbers. Um, but at the end of the day, the online auctions are always going to dominate a majority of the dollar volume. But if you need big, if you need those big numbers, you're 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 pretty much I don't want to say guaranteed, but the the probability of getting that big number um, for the higher end of the market is always, in my opinion, going to be the in lane in person physical um, auctions. So let's talk a little bit about uh, some segmentation that we're seeing within the marketplaces. And I've seen this trend happen really as the market is pulled back in 2023. So back, you know, over the past couple of years, you've seen some large online marketplaces really grow drastically, namely cars and bids and, and bring a trailer. Um, they're great uh, uh Partners of mine, marketplace partners of mine, who you know, I I bring my clients' vehicles uh, to some of those online auctions when it makes sense. Don't get me wrong; um, that's not always the best option, but when it makes sense, and I really think it can get uh, the eyes it needs, the audience. Um, but one of the biggest shift changes we have seen um, with those large auction uh, online auction players is both cars and bids and bring a trailer have actually been acquired in the past 12 to 18 months. So meaning the original founders have sold the, a majority uh, equity ownership of those platforms to investors. Bring a Trailer was sold to a strategic investor and Cars and Bids was sold to a private equity investor. Well, when an investor owns a majority of the company, you have to remember what do investors care about? They care about a return on their investment. I came out of automotive private equity. I am more than familiar with this uh, this phenomenon. So when a founder um, and the original investors sell off a majority of their ownership to the strategic and private equity and venture capital investors, it's pure and simple. They need a return on that investment. How do you get a return on the investment? You need to generate more fees, which generates more revenue. How do you generate more fees? You add more auctions. More auctions means more fees. Even if it's at the detriment of sell-through, if you add more auctions, you get more fees, even if the sell-through drops. So at the end of the day, what happened is these large auction platforms, namely Cars and Bids and Bring a Trailer, have grown the number of live auctions they have running at any given time to several hundred. You know, we're talking five, six, seven, eight hundred auctions live at any given time when they used to have, you know, a handful, 100, 200, 300 highly curated uh, 
auctions. And what happens is when you add more supply into the market, especially a market that is pulling back and with waning demand, it's simple. That marketplace is going to heavily imbalance in the buyer's favor and sell-through is going to drop through the floor. Well, that's what happened within those two marketplaces. So sellers got frustrated because they were bringing vehicles to, to those online, um, those large online uh, marketplaces at auction platforms, and they weren't getting the eyes that they used to get um, because instead of looking at, you know, buyers looking at one, two, 300 auctions, now they're looking at six, seven, 800 auctions. So it gets lost in the mix. And Sellers were bringing them to the, uh, those large-scale platforms, and they weren't selling through, leaving a bad taste in the seller's mouth. But that also leaves a bad taste in the buyer's mouth, too, because the buyers are there, they're bidding, but the sellers just weren't realistic. The marketplaces were heavily imbalanced, and the buyers weren't able to buy, even though they were, they were bidding. So that left a, a bad taste in the buyer's mouth also. So what has happened is we've seen this flight from those large-scale um, online auction platforms to the smaller enthusiast focused curated online auction platform. So we're seeing buyers and sellers, um, instead of looking at, uh, cars and bids or bring a trailer, um, because they've had bad experiences, uh, they, they're sick of the comments, their, their vehicle didn't sell through, or they bid on a vehicle and they weren't able to buy it. Well, guess what? A lot of those buyers and sellers are moving away from the large-scale platforms and going towards the enthusiast-focused platforms. When I talk about the enthusiast-focused platforms, um, there is a whole segment of the online classified and auction marketplaces that are dedicated to enthusiasts, right? Um, we've had the, the 4B Exchange guys on the podcast uh, a lot, but they're the biggest player in the classic, custom, and unique uh, truck and 4x4 marketplace. So you're seeing a lot of buyers and sellers move away from cars and bids, BAT, um, that are looking to sell their classic, custom, and unique um, uh, trucks and 4x4s going to smaller curated platforms where, yes, there are less eyes, but the eyes that are there are captive and just looking for trucks and 4x4s. So we're seeing a flight away from those larger platforms for the truck and 4x4 enthusiasts um, to uh, the biggest player in that space to 4B Exchange. Um, we're also seeing that phenomenon with Porsche enthusiasts. Porsche enthusiasts are moving away from those large-scale online auction platforms towards the more focused um, enthusiast platform, namely PCAR Marketplace, uh, or also known as PCAR. Um, the American muscle enthusiasts are moving uh, to Classique, uh, which again has has a captive audience of American muscle uh, buyers and sellers. Uh, uh, European sports car enthusiasts are moving over uh, towards um, their focused uh, uh, enthusiast platform, which uh, the predominant player in that space is marked. And uh, lastly, the Mercedes-Benz um, uh, enthusiasts are moving away from the larger scale platforms and going to the, the more focused enthusiast driven platform MB marketplace. So a lot of changes in the landscape in marketplaces online still dominates, will always dominate, uh, the largest market share of transactions. Um, but the highest sale prices are still, and I believe will continue to happen in live, in-person, in-lane auctions. But you have to be prepared for those fees. Um, and if you're looking to buy or sell, 
start looking at some of those smaller focus enthusiast platforms because that's where the buyers and sellers are these days, not the large scale um, diversified uh, online auction platforms. So let's uh, move into what my crystal ball says for 2024. What is our outlook for 2024? And uh, it's a little bit brighter than uh, what happened in 2023. My outlook uh, and what the trends are kind of telling me right now and what I kind of see in my crystal ball for 2024 is I see the market actually stabilizing. So we saw a whipsaw where where the market rallied for five years. Uh, and then drastically imbalanced very quickly um, in the uh, away from the sellers to the buyers. But I see 2024 really becoming more of a balanced marketplace, uh, uh, a balanced market for buyers and sellers. So I do see some stabilization. So again, back to those three core metrics, sell through, um, average sale price, and total dollar volume, not seeing those three core metrics regressing month over month, year over year. We're our, I think we're going to see, though mixed, um, month uh, over month, we're going to see some um, some progression, some appreciation, some growth in some of those numbers, but again, mixed month over month, which will tell us that in 2024, um, the trend will be some stabilization and, some ba- and become a little bit more of a balanced marketplace. Uh, I will say, though, there is one big determining factor to the stabilization and the balancing of the marketplace in 2024, and that is going to be the spring market. How much inventory comes into the collector vehicle inventory comes into the collector spring market in 2024 is going to dictate the rest of the year. As many of you know, the first quarter and second quarter of every single year is when you see the most collector inventory come into the market, primarily because that's when all the, the big physical in-lane auctions are happening, right? Um, so I do anticipate in the early spring market to see you know nominal supply and decent demand, but if a mass influx of supply comes into the market in the late spring, the mid to late spring market, unfortunately, I think the rest of 2024 could continue to be imbalanced in the buyer's favor. But if there's a moderate amount of inventory that comes into the spring market this year, into the spring collector vehicle market, I do see a stabilization and I do see the market continuing to be balanced between buyers and uh, and sellers, right? Though there are less buyers in the market, I will say the buyers that are in the market are more dedicated collectors. They're a little bit more savvy. Um, and that is going to require sellers to become more realistic because the buyers that are in the market, um, the more dedicated collectors, they're savvier buyers. They understand the market and they're just not going to overpay, especially when the market is imbalanced imbal- or imbalanced in the buyer's favor. So, What's really going to create stabilization? And one of the biggest trends we see in every single market cycle um, is we have to see, in order for a market to become more balanced, um, is we have to see sellers become more realistic on value. So as the market pulls back, sellers have to be more realistic on their expectations. Um, And as sellers become, especially profit-motivated sellers, become more realistic, um, 
and sell, uh, sell through increases, that is only going to benefit the, uh, the market and help it to stabilize um, and balance out in 2024. One of the biggest uh, things I also see in the markets in 2024, though there's going to be some uncertainty, I do hope and cross my fingers that uh, the spring market brings a tame amount of inventory um, where there, it can be balanced uh, between buyers and sellers. I do see volatility and uncertainty throughout the rest of the 2024 collector vehicle um, market. So I do see it imbalanced in the buyer's favor, balancing out in the buyer's and the seller's favor, but we're going to see some volatility month over month, in my opinion. Um, and to talk about marketplaces in 2024, the marketplaces are going to continue to segment as buyers and sellers desire better alternatives and more balanced, enthusiast-focused marketplaces. It's just a trend. It's happening. Um, people are just moving away from buyers and sellers are moving away. They have a bad taste in their mouth from these large marketplaces, and they're going to they're looking for different strategies. Um, you know, classified, uh, strategic classified strategies, uh, online strategies and are leveraging auction, um, online enthusiast-focused auction platforms. So overall, I'm really optimistic on the 2024 uh, market. We're starting the year imbalanced in the buyer's favor. But as long as there isn't a glut of inventory coming into the spring market, I really anticipate the year to end very balanced between buyers and sellers, but there's going to be a lot of volatility month over month between now here in January and December. But we'll see if that comes to fruition as we as we uh, do our next uh, market update in the uh, in the middle of the summer and then do our annual uh, market update and outlook at the end of uh, 2024. So, to wrap up real quick, uh, let's talk about the makes and models that I think are going to be hot in 2024 and the ones that are not going to be in 2024. Again, what's going to be hot in 2024? This trend of modern classics continuing to appreciate. I see that continuing. They present a ton of value. They have creature comforts, automatic transmissions, air conditioning, you know, disc brakes, power windows, power locks, and the collector likes those creature comforts. Uh, so a couple makes and models for the two doors, uh, second gen Chevy K fives, I think are going to be, um, uh, a great modern classic and present a, uh, a buying opportunity. I bought one myself. I'm a believer there. OBS Ford Broncos, Dodge Ram chargers, uh, 70 series Toyota land cruisers. They're undervalued in the market. They're awesome. They're super cool. Uh, class, uh, Land Rover, Range Rover Classics, and 94 to 97 NAS Defender 90s, um, I think are, are, are going to continue to see great appreciation in 2024 and do very well. Um, when we're talking about some of the four-door uh, collector vehicles, um, the late 7th gen and 8th uh, gen uh, Suburbans, I think are going to see some uh, appreciation. Uh, Jeep SJ Grand Wagoneers, I like them a lot. Um, I like them a real lot. They've seen a market cycle and they're very attainable. I'll talk a little more, a bit more about that. Um, and the ZJ and WJ Grand Cherokees, uh, I, I see some opportunity and I think are going to do well in 2024. The 80 and 90 series Toyota Land Cruisers, uh, again, I think are going to do well in 2024. And the four-door Land Rover Range Rover Classics uh, and the 1993 NAS 
Defender 110s, I think are going to continue to do well in 2024 in that modern classic category. And then rounding out with pickups in that modern classic category, the later third gen and fourth gen Chevy C and Ks, I think are going to do really well. The OBS F series, um, the first gen Dodge Rams and the Toyota 70 series Land Cruiser pickups, um, especially crew cabs, pickup truck buyers want crew cabs. Crew cabs are going to continue to do well. I don't see that, that, uh, that trend changing On to the next category of what I think is going to be hot in 2024. International scouts, hands down, scouts are going to continue to have a great year, in my opinion, in 2024. Um, you know, with Scout Motors announcing the new EV Scout coming to market, we're seeing what is called the Scout effect. Uh, we saw this a couple years ago with the Broncos when Ford um, announced that the new Bronco was going to come to the market. Gen 1 Broncos went through the roof. We're seeing that same phenomenon happen right now with International Harvester Scouts, especially the shorter wheelbase Scout 2s. Um, I like the legs that are on the Scout market. They've seen a lot of appreciation, but it's got legs, and I, and I, I really see that continuing. Um, really, the, the short wheelbase Scout 2s, the 800s, the 800As, the 800Bs, they're hot, and I see that, uh, that trend continuing. What's interesting is there's a really unique inefficiency in the scout market, the, the classics and collector scout market. And that's what the long wheelbase models. Um, these are ancillary, again, back to the, the theory that I, I broached earlier about these being ancillary models. So the scout two has a long wheelbase traveler model and Terra model. So the, the traveler model, uh, was the passenger version. The Terra was the pickup version. Those, there's a big, disparity and opportunity with those longer wheelbase scout two travelers and terras they're attainable um you know where's the 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 good high quality restored short wheelbase scout twos those things do in the 50s 60s 70s 80s you can still get a long wheelbase nicely restored traveler or terra that's obtainable in the mid 20s to the high 30s. So there's an opportunity there. So if you're looking at scouts, you wanted that short wheelbase scout too, go for it. You're going to have to pay for it. But where the opportunity and the value proposition is, in my opinion, is in the, in the longer wheelbase travelers and Terras. Um, and while we're talking about uh, IHs, um, Going to put these on your uh, on your radar screen. The Travelalls and D Series pickups they present a great buying opportunity in in my opinion. There there's a ton of value there. So if you're looking for a classic pickup or a um, a classic uh, family truckster, take a look at the the Travelalls and the D Series. And the four x fours are not that easy to find in the Travelalls and D Series. So if you can find a four x four, I see an immense amount of opportunity there. And then moving on to the, the next uh, make and model uh, that I see being hot in 2024 is the Toyota Land Cruisers, the FJs. The FJs, if you listen to our, uh, our mid-year and uh, market update this year and even our end-of-year 2022 market update and outlook, 
they had tough going, but the FJs have seen a full market cycle and they present opportunity. And I have actually seen this market bottom already. We're actually starting to see some appreciation in the FJ market. And the reason that the Toyota, the classic Toyota uh, FJ market, the FJ 40s, 43s, 45s saw such depreciation and really started to pull back before the broader markets was purely because... Um, and you saw a ton of importers bringing in low quality uh, FJs uh, from outside of the country, and they just absolutely flooded the market. And again, simple supply and demand. If you add a ton of supply, especially low quality supply into the market, and demand is waning or fully satisfied or isn't looking for low quality stuff, prices are going to come down and prices did come down, but I have seen those prices start to stabilize. There was a period of time over the past few months, past six, eight months, you could get a fully restored, high quality imported FJ40 in the market for like $22,000 to $25,000. Sadly, those days are over. The market is appreciating again. And one of the biggest uh, variables and drivers to why the, especially the FJ40 market is uh, is appreciating is importers have stopped bringing them in in droves, number one. So that's decreased supply. But the market has really started to understand and the value proposition that high quality imported restored FJs bring into this market. So there are, for every 10 you know, just importer that was bringing in an FJ40 that was just, you know, putting a, a different color lipstick on the same old pig um, and turning buyers away. There was one, um, you know, or two high quality. And I, the market, um, high quality importers that was really doing a, a good job um, restoring them. And I will say the market has really been able to differentiate high quality and low quality um uh, imported uh, Toyota Land Cruisers. And that has been a big driver because the high quality nut and bolt frame off fully restored, rebuilt powertrain FJ40s, FJ43s, FJ45s that are coming in, that importers are bringing in are doing great numbers and still present a ton of value. So I really like the, the FJ market. Um, you know, North American spec FJ40s are always going to dominate. They're always going to do the best numbers. But I like the high quality imported FJ40s. There's still value there. Though the market is bottomed, in my opinion, there is still value and a ton of opportunity uh, there, especially as importers have throttled back bringing supply uh, into the U.S. market, especially low quality supply. And there's a lot more uh, higher quality supply. Let's talk about FJ43s real quick. Um, in my opinion, they present a great value in the market because they're an ancillary model. People aren't looking for them. The average collector, the average um, casual collector or casual classic buyer, they're always looking for an FJ40. They may not even know that the FJ43 um, midsize wheelbase even exists. They weren't available here in the US. They're all imported. And there's a lot of importers bringing in some high quality nut and bolt fully restored FJ43s. And there's still some value there. I like the FJ43s. Personally, I'm hunting for one myself. Uh, and then uh, the FJ45 and, and FJ70 series pickups, um, you know, they present 
an immense amount of value and really a great alternative to the American pickups. So take a look at those. Uh, and then back again to the FJ 45s and the 70 series troopies, the FJ 45 and 70 series troopie body styles. Again, they present a unique alternative to their American counterparts. They're cool. They're interesting. I see some opportunities, some value there. Um, and, uh, the other category and what's hot in 2024 is Jeeps. Uh, I talked about this earlier, but SJ body style, grand wagoneers, they've seen a full market cycle, you know, fully restored SJ body style, grand wagoneers. You know, there was a period of time where those things were doing 60, 70, 80, even into the six figure range that. That market cycle has come to roost. They've pulled back, and you can get really good, high-quality SJ body-style Grand Wagoneers in the mid-30s to mid-40s, and that presents an opportunity to me. And again, we talked about the, the ZJ and WJ Grand Cherokees. Keep your eye on them. I see a ton of value there. CJ7s uh, have uh, really fared well over uh, this recent market cycle, um, purely because they're a core market core collector market making model. People are always looking for CJ7s and they're still attainable. You can get a good high quality CJ7 in the twenty-five dollars to $35,000 range. That's still attainable uh, in that healthy lower end of the, the market. And then lastly with Jeeps, the CJ8 Scrambler. They have, they have really seen uh, a full market cycle. They were hot uh, I personally actually had one of the top 10 uh, transactions for a CJ8, um, top 10, top dollar transaction uh, for a CJ8 out of my own personal collection uh, in uh, 20, in early 2020, uh, 2022 that I sold. Um, but that market has peaked uh, and we're starting to see CJ8 prices come down. And as sellers become more realistic to the CJ8 market, um, I see, I'm going to see some, I see some value there. So as we come into the end of the podcast, uh, we want to talk about what's not hot in 2024. What is my crystal ball saying? And sadly, uh, this is a variable of several years of amazing appreciation, but the ROW, meaning the rest of world, Land Rover 90 and 110 and later Defender 90 and 110s, I I see being really not hot in 2024. Um, and again, I'm going to, I need to differentiate the ROW nineties and one tens versus the NES nineties and one tens, the NES nineties and one tens. They're very limited. There's a huge dedicated enthusiast, enthusiast collector market for those. There's not a ton of them out there. They're always going to be, um, desirable. You're always going to see appreciation there, but the ROW rest of the world imported nineties and one tens. The market's just flooded right now. Um, they've had, they're coming off several great years. They pr still performed decently well in 2023, but in 2024, I see that market cycle coming to roost. And, and sadly, though they were a chart topper, um, they're due for a correction. And the other big driver to why I, I see those ROW 90s and 110s uh, uh, correcting is they sit in that middle of the market, that forty dollars to $80,000 price point, which has absolutely been hit hard and ravaged. And unlike the Toyota Land Cruiser FJ market, where importers have really dialed back the amount of inventory that they're bringing into the country, ROW uh, 90 and 110 importers 
are still bringing these things in in droves. So as the market comes through a full cycle there, as there's increased supply uh, coming in from importers um, and waning demand, I do see, if, if my crystal ball says that ROW 90s and 110s are, are just not going to be hot in 2024. Um, but I will say if you are in the market, there is some opportunity there. And if this market does pull back, uh, left-hand drive petrol, RO, uh, ROW 90s and 110s do present, uh, and will continue to present a, uh, a value, uh, proposition. The fact of the matter is us Americans don't really like diesel and we don't like right-hand drive. So any of the imported ROWs, uh, ROW 90s and 110s that are left-hand drive with petrol V8 engines, I still see those doing well, though I see them pulling back. I do see that creating a buying opportunity, a long-term uh, buying opportunity. Um, the next one I'm going to talk about that is, in my opinion, not going to be hot in 2024. Oh, there's going to be a lot of people out there that don't like this next one, but it's sad. First-gen Broncos. We're already seeing first-gen Broncos pull back and pull back heavy. The market is absolutely flooded, and the Bronco effect is over. Right now, as of publishing of this, uh, this podcast, there are over 145 available first-gen Broncos in the published markets. That is a massive oversupply. And that tells me that market is heavily imbalanced in the buyer's favor. There should be a healthy first-gen Bronco market should have less than half of that uh, as available inventory in the published markets. To have almost 150 available, we want to see, you know, 50, 75 at most in a healthy market. To see 150 available is a leading indicator that the first-gen Ford Bronco market which is not only uh, which has already started to pull back is going to pull back heavier. So all of you out there that own a first gen Bronco, I'm sorry to say you've seen some depreciation and 2024 is not going to be a good year. So if you are considering selling it, the market is going to get a lot worse before it gets better. So sadly, the first gen um, Ford Bronco market is soft and it's going to get a lot softer as more inventory piles up and the demand really wanes away. So uh, there's a massive oversupply uh, of those out there. And I hate to say it, the Bronco effect is over. Another category on what's, in my opinion, what's not going to be popular and what's going to see depreciate in 2024 is the early pre-war and post-war pickups. It's just a generational a generational change. Um, right now, the collectors and where the most demand uh, in the classic custom and collector truck and 4x4 market is, is really in those 70s, 80s, early 90s. Whereas, you know, the the generation that has disposable income that is that is really getting into collecting that is really starting to be that that truck and four by four enthusiast that's buying these things up is really in the mid thirties to early fifties. And the fact of the matter is, what they loved when they were little kids was the seventies, eighties, and early nineties uh, um, classic custom and, and collector trucks and four by fours. That's the market that's doing really well. But sadly, the forties, fifties, sixties, and some of the early seventies. 
um, classic trucks and four by fours, which were mostly pickups anyway. I don't see having a bright future. Just the generational changes happened. The buyers for those, those, you know, forties, fifties, uh, and early sixties classic custom and collector trucks. They're just, they're not collecting in the amount they used to. They're getting older, they're dying off and their families um, are dumping them into the market. And they're just as, aren't a ton of buyers on the other end of that transaction because those buyers are looking for, you know, mid seventies to early nineties, classic custom and collector trucks in four by four. So I sadly, uh, that's going to create some, some opportunity if you're in that market and you want a early, um, uh, an early collector truck or four by four pre and post war. But, uh, we've seen that generational change, um, come to, uh, come to roost. As we get here to the end, uh, 2023 has been an interesting year. Uh, we've seen uh, a market correction. We saw, we've seen some regression, but I am optimistic about 2024, depending on you know the inventory levels that come into the market 2024. And I am optimistic that 2024 is going to be a brighter year, a more balanced market between buyers and sellers. Uh, but there's going to be some volatility where those three core key metrics uh, um, are will regress uh, sometimes month over month or year over year, um, but they're going to be quickly countered by another month, uh, a following month, um, where we're going to see some appreciation and some growth in those three key metrics uh, year over year. So there's going to be some volatility, but I do see the market balancing out and uh, really actually creating an amazing buying opportunity um, because you know, that volatility is going to be imbalanced in the buyer's favor. So thank you all for listening to our first episode of season four of the classic four by four podcast. Don't forget that uh, we are going to be um, doing a new episode every month on the second Tuesday of every month. So thanks a lot and have a great day. Wow, that was a fun episode. I always love doing the truck and 4x4 market updates, the mid-year market update and the year-end market update and and, uh, outlook. They're always fun. They're one of our our top downloaded episodes, so I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, But stay tuned for our next episode with Jonathan Shaw, the president of Hemmings, one of the oldest and largest collector vehicle marketplaces out there. I'm excited to, uh, to interview him, talk to him, Um, We have a lot in common. So, and by the way, he is a classic truck guy. So he collects classic trucks himself. So we're going to talk a lot about that. So that episode is coming on February 13th. So stay tuned for Jonathan Shaw, president of Hemmings on February 13th.